Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by John from Poison Foot. John, thank you very much for coming on. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you're looking to find your edge in sports betting or racing, you'll need to visit the Betfair Hub. From analysis to betting psychology, it has everything that you need. Simply visit betfair.com.au slash hub. Today, I'm joined by John from Poison Foot. John, thank you very much for coming on. No, thank you, Jake. Uh, it's a privilege to be on this podcast. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Math and, and trading and betting and, and all the other stuff that comes with that is, is going to be exciting to talk about today. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us, how does someone with your background, which we'll get into, want to get into betting? Or why does, why does things for you anyway point towards betting rather than um, some of the stuff you've done in the past with Forex trading and things like that? Um, I think it all comes down to competition and numbers. You know, having studied math, you're always involved. You always hear about the odd, uh, the oddball, you know, who does trading on the side and applies some type of model. And um, I think it just goes hand, hand in hand with, with uh, you know, gambling, casinos, the excitement of it, the adrenaline you get from it. And it's something that, um, you know, you hear time and time over people with numbers excel in. Um, of course, there's a big crowd that does very well that not necessarily applies mathematics or statistics into uh, their gambling or their betting or their trading but um yeah in in short it was just um you know always been into sports uh been watching football since i was small so it just naturally just all came together and um it took it from there <laughs> so t- tell us a little bit more about your background i think math degree as well as some uh some relevant experience in the the financial world just briefly run through that for us yeah, so I started um, uh, a math degree, and I just focused on the pure math aspect of it. And I just made sure to take as many math classes as I could, and as abstract as I could. So that was a, a little bit of a, you know, I never really took much statistics. Um, I just focused on on the pure math. And, and I, I left, after taking a couple of graduate classes, I left to work uh, at banking. Um, I didn't want to be broke always. <laughs> so I went into uh, FX trading. And that really opened up a, a whole new world because, you know, in, in mathematics, you know, it's just you, you know, your 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 coworkers, your teachers. It's, it's all very calm. It's all very, um, you know, you take your time and then suddenly you go into this world where it's, you know, you shift from first gear into fifth gear. And it's uh, it's brutal, you know, day to day. It's very exciting. It's very motivating. And the biggest takeaways, you know. Obviously, you have a lot of uh, numbers and models and things that people do. But but the biggest takeaway in, in FX trading, more so than that, was just the whole risk management aspect of it, you know, the holding back. My manager was very keen on us having uh, always a reason on why we enter the trade, why we exit a trade. So um, you start you start working with that mentality and um you know, always separate yourself from the money. When you start working with big amounts of money, it all just becomes sort of like it's just digital currency. You don't really worry if you're you're trading $10 million or $50 million or $100 million. So you learn to separate yourself from that emotion, be very cold. And 
and yeah, you know, if you lose money, you know, no one scolds you. Um, as long as you have a good reason of why you went to that trade, why you exit, why you lost money. And if you win money, you know, no one congratulates you. So it's very professional. And that, those were the key takeaways I took from um, FX trading. But yeah, as a, you know, being young, um, I wanted more excitement. I wanted more speed. I wanted something faster. You know, algorithmic trading was was the new big thing. So I wanted to get into that. And um, I just didn't have the programming skills because I um, just took pure abstract mathematics. So, yeah, I left uh, I left banking and just pursued a computer engineering job looking to get into, you know, trading from home. But, uh, yeah, I ended up working at a private uh, branch of the university doing uh, biostatistics. And, yeah, that's that's where statistics got involved into all this game. So back back in your trading days, it sounds like everything was ingrained in you that it must be process driven. Don't worry about the results. Don't focus on the results. It's all about the process and getting to that. And that sounds like it will take care of itself. Is that fair to say? And has that carried forward into what you're doing more so today? Yeah, definitely. They 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 didn't worry too much about you making you know a ton of money at the beginning or a ton of money. It's consistency. It's discipline. It's it's uh, it's acting sort of like a robot. You know, being very cold. So when you have numbers to back that up, you have um, even if it's you know simple numbers. Uh, you know. The typical technical analysis, you draw a channel and you say, hey, if the price goes below this point, I'm out. If it goes above this point, I take my profit and stick into that. And the good thing about uh, working in, in, in the bank and with risk management, you always have people on top of you. You always have people asking you. You're always conversing. You're always following your rules. Breaking the rules is very hard. So, um, I mean, you can never break the rules because you, know, you get in a lot of trouble. So that definitely did um, help me later on when I started betting. I, I already had that mentality ingrained in me. So I didn't go forward and place, you know, a thousand whatever euros on, on a bet or, or go crazy and lose a ton of money. It was more like, all right, this is how I used to do it and this is how I want to do it. So it, it definitely, definitely helped a lot. When back in those days, do they train you on those types of things and being robotic and cold or is it just systems set up? Because even the most naturally stoic person, probably even in the trading world with with their bosses and their colleagues watching over, have the urge and have the the sense to maybe uh, double down on things or bet bigger or push a little bit more than they should. Is it still something that's relevant in that world or is it truly systematically taken out of of every individual? Um. In my experience, uh, they start they started me um, slow. You know the the amounts um, the amounts were were reduced. I couldn't go ahead and and, and place a, a big trade. Um, so you know you work yourself up. You you start disassociating disasso. I don't know how to say it. You start <laughs> just separating yourself from from the money. You know at the beginning you look at a hundred thousand dollars and you're just um, you know you're shocked and 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 you're scared. You know it goes up a little bit. You make a bit of money and and, and you don't know what to do. But later on, you know, next thing you know, three months into it, you're into a million dollars. Then you're into ten million dollars, twenty million, and and it goes on. And it's a process. It's experience. These type of jobs, you know, some of the FX uh, traders, they had no degree. They were just old school. You know, when it all started in the '80s and the '90s, you know, they just uh, did good, learned a lot, always learned from their mentors. And yeah, it's definitely a very experience-based um, thing. You know, obviously. You know, you always have that day where you lose a lot of money when you make a lot of money. But as long as you had that reason, as long as you had the, the uh, some numbers to back you up, back your reason that you could explain, obviously, 
you you just you wouldn't get into trouble. And at the contrary, you know, if 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 you're always getting scolded for something, um, you know, you, you start get, getting a lot of fear. And if you always get congratulated for doing something, you start thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm awesome at this. And then next thing you know, you, you place a big bet and or a big trade, you lose a lot of money. So it was always very level headed, little emotion. You know, you do your job, you're an operator. And um, yeah, that's that's how it was in my experience. It might obviously you hear about a lot of different banking and hedge, you know, you go into hedge funds, it's a crazy world. But banking is a little bit more risk averse. And um, I wanted to join that that not risk averse world, you know, and just trade fast and <laughs> use models and whatever. So you have the math background, you've been trading for a while, you've had some experience in, in computer engineering. At what moment did you think, I want to leave all this behind me and maybe jump into the betting sphere? Yeah, so when I started uh, the, the computer um, and uh, programming degree, I wanted to trade from home. And it must have been somewhere in that time. And I also started working as a biostatistician. Also, again, very calm, you know, shift back down to first gear, you know, very classical, classical statistics, you know, use what's proven, use what has uh, been used and tested and works. So it must have been in that time where I found out about sports trading. I never really was big into uh, sport. I, I you know, I love football. I must have just signed up to a website and seen this world, you know, prices, odds, um, you know, they, they fluctuate, they move. There's a market. And I was just uh, taken aback. So. I didn't I I didn't really um, look into the books or, you know, your typical, uh, you know, re- read the, the classic gambling books. I just went straight into the academic papers. I was like, is there is there, you know, academic journals or papers or models that you can use with football? And right away, it's just, you know, tons and tons of articles. And I just started reading them. And, and at the same time, I was learning programming. So I was like, hey, I learned this tool in, in programming class. I'm going to apply it to uh, to this model that I just read about. I'm going to try to program it. And then from there on, you know, start data mining, um, scraping, just building big backends. And yeah, from there, it just, uh, it just took off. How long did it take for you to get comfortable? Was there a moment when you thought, you know what, I can maybe beat this or I can win doing these types of things? Or have you still got uh, some time to go before you get to that moment? Ha- take us through that mentality approach. Yeah, so what, what I started doing, um, well, at the beginning, when I was, uh, obviously, there's so much literature online. So I started looking into that and I started noticing a big discrepancy between, you know, descriptive statistics and predictive modeling. Uh, descriptive statistic is your typical, you know, looking at the past, 90% of the time, this team scores over 2.5 goals. Whereas predictive modeling, you know, you take an assumption, you take a model and um, it's like a recipe. You know, you, you, you choose a couple of variables, you make a couple of assumptions. You know, you, if you if you make too many assumptions, your model's too complex, too hard to program, computationally expensive, you know, might take weeks to update. But if you make too little assumptions, you know, you get way too much of a simple model. It doesn't fit what you're looking at. So, you know, it was a balance just working out. There's a lot of very powerful techniques that are very simple, for example, regressions and, and your typical uh, statistical models that are out there. So what I focused on just by watching um, also a lot of football was trying to exploit events type patterns that keep repeating in, in football matches, avoiding the big leagues, not so much the because, you know, a team like Barcelona or, you know, the, the, the big top five teams, they're very consistent. 
very rarely do they, you know, lose or 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 draw. You know, to to find those 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 rare events, it's it's hard to model. So I just looked at the. I like going down to the second and third leagues where you start seeing uh, patterns emerge, which disappear quickly. You know, they come as fast as it goes. So I started looking at, at those events and I started using techniques that we would use in, in FX trading, simple things, sort of, sort of like correlation matrices. You know, if you have, if you have a, you know, for example, if, a, if an event A happens, you know, in two more days, event B will happen. You know, there's just a lag between two events that are correlated. And then once the fundamentals change, that correlation disappears. So I started looking at, hey, you know, if this happens and then this happens, most of the time, you know, a third event happens. So I started looking at that, try to anticipate those and apply, yeah, apply this models, the programming, just automate it and then backtest. You know, backtest is, I think, is fundamental. You know, you go back with your data, you run a, a simulated, uh, you know, loop throughout all your data using whatever model or whatever uh, conditional events you're looking at and just see if if you would have made money or not you know switch around the data right you do a, a bit of a cross validation you, you pick another season maybe you mesh two different seasons and you just try to see if it if it holds to it and you know just back testing a lot of time i spent hours and hours programming this so yeah that that definitely helps and it and it and it gives you the confidence going forward being like hey you know this system works this system doesn't work this system stopped working but it's a daily thing yeah it's, it's the grind what they call <laughs> absolutely so you, you mentioned descriptive and predictive statistics so just tell me from your perspective are they two completely separate buckets is there clear overlap is there a, a weird gray area in the middle if we polled you know 10 people like yourself would there be some discrepancy on on what people would assign to to each category take us through how obviously they're very important words and they're very relevant in this world so just give us your perspective on those yeah so um probability is is word you know math it's it's very it's 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 the accuracy it's the math it's it's airtight you know it doesn't fail but once you jump into statistics it becomes the art and that's where you start getting the jargon like descriptive statistics predictive statistics um, you know, you have a model that predicts things, sure, but it predicts using historical data. Um, so what's, you know, why is descriptive statistics not useful for predicting the future? So these models are very powerful techniques that, that try to peek into the, into the future. They become a function of your, of your input, whereas descriptive statistics, you're just trying to summarize your data set with, with one number, an average or, uh, or standard deviation or the, or the median or the mode. So you lose a lot of data, you lose a lot of fineness um, by just sticking to descriptive statistics. When you move into predictive modeling, you start using these techniques that incorporate all the data. You can start using things like like weighing, right? So you weigh most more recent data more than than older data, um, and you can input everything. You know, if you use a, a percentage, you know, ninety percent of the time this team scores uh, over two point five goals. Well, what about the coach? What about the lineup? You know, what about um, anything, the weather? What about the distance they have to travel? So in descriptive modeling, you have those numbers, but it's hard to put together as you can in a, in a model. So, you know, it's a bit of um, it's a bit of a gray area between the two things, what you can, what you can use. And there's obviously there's so much so many people out there that use all sort of different techniques. 
from simple to complex that, you know, you're always going to hear a case of someone using a very simple method making tons of money. And you're always going to hear someone using extremely complex methods making a ton of money. So again, statistics, it's where this becomes an art, in my opinion. So you have a bit of, of everything in the spectrum. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not a, a sharp line down the middle saying you won't make money with this. You will make money with this. Not at all. Do you value simplicity? Because I'm sure many people listening who don't do this type of thing might be interested in getting more involved in it and they hear you know, all the data sets that are available, all the different approaches, all the techniques, all the complicated things. So it sounds complicated to them. Do you think there is, a, there is an important element to this that you need to maintain some simplicity when it comes to this? Or is it one of those things where there's so much going on, there's so many inputs, variables, approaches... Uh, and different elements that you need to learn that it, it's never going to be simple. Um, no, I, I, I value simplicity a lot. I like to look at the fundamentals. Um, you know, I obviously in Twitter, you look online and, and there's people using um, the expected goals where they use the angle at which they kick the ball. You know, if um, if he hit it from from five meters, from 10 meters, if he hit it with his right leg or his left leg. In my opinion, um, the way I look at it, that's just too much noise um, and the people implemented I'm sure you know they do it very well but right now it's just me um, so it's a it's a one-man team here so I just try to keep it simple I just don't look at that noise because at the end of the day it's you know 11 players on one team 11 players on another team those players you know five of them might have woken up a bit tired five might just be you know on the spot on hyper focused the goalkeeper just having a terrible day so that's where the randomness plays in, you know, like the, the 22 lives in there. Just you never know how, you know, their training is obviously very important. And that's where in the lower leagues that starts to dissipate a little bit. You know, some of these people, some of these players have like uh, have uh, a second job. Yeah. And in, in, in that sense, simplicity, I think, is, is key, at least if you're doing it just by yourself, for example, um, to not lose track of the important things. There is a lot of data, but there's also computers and computers you can treat them as you know your employee you can look at a computer and say hey find me this type of games you know once you start learning at a program you start giving the computer instructions that you would to for example a, a betting buddy you say hey let's let's find all the games that that satisfy this this condition you can just go to a computer and, and tell it hey um find me all the all the matches that did this or find me this matches that did this and then did that so you can start using them as your own, uh, you know, employees and, and get them to work for you. And you just sit back and try to manage all this data, all this input and, um, and, and make it come together and, and, and try to make it simple. <laughs> yeah. that's an interesting way to think about it. So how do you go about embracing all the randomness and the variance and other things that come with it that maybe you can't control or, you know, we talked about process before the process was perfect, but the result didn't go that way because of things that, you know, like you said, these people may have second jobs. They may be getting up early to be an electrician or a plumber and then <laughs> playing in the third division, you know, whatever it might be. Do you, How have you gone about tackling that type of problem? Because obviously you're doing so many things to try and solve, you know, the answers for betting on football or betting on cricket or tennis or whatever it might be. But ultimately there is an element to it that is purely and simply out of our control. Definitely. That's why you want to you want to restrict your, your your sample to 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 what I said before, ex exploit events. So you want to find uh, what I do is, is try to find something that conditions an event. 
right? So every time this happens, this happens. I think that simplifies the process a lot more. You can you can focus your model to that specific um, um, event. You can you can condition a search, right? You can that's your constraint. That's what you're looking for, and you move forward from there. If you try to predict all of the Premier League games, you know it's a, it's a very tough job. There's many different teams out there with a lot of different money allocated to each one. Coaches are changing, players are changing. You know they're getting transferred. But if you restrict that that noise into something that's into a pattern that you start detecting, um, I think that really reduces uh, the complexity of all of this. Um, you know, when you go into Twitter uh, or or any forum, it's just I think there's just too much information, too much data. People looking at too many things when they could just be you know take a step back, you know, and, and watching football games is important because sometimes you watch a game and, and you start noticing, you know, things that happen, you know, why did, why was there this upset or, you know, every 10 days there's, there's an upset with this team. So it's, it's finding those patterns and, and limiting your data to, to, to useful things. Take me back to you as a trader. If you today could go back to that person and talk to them, or maybe one of your colleagues that are still working in trading who are looking at getting involved in betting what would you tell that type of person? Are there things that you wish you knew earlier? Are there things that you would have avoided, um, you know, because it was just time waste and things like that? Or are there, there other elements that stand out to you? Programming. <laughs> I, I, I can't. Um, that was one of, when I went into mathematics. Um, I have a sibling who also studied math. And, and uh, the advice was whatever you do, you know, go abstract, go applied. Who cares? But learn programming. It's the future. And I just didn't care. I just wanted the craziest, most abstract uh, geometry. And when I went into the bank, I just realized, you know, I was I felt very empty handed because we had all these data feeds. We had all this data coming in. And as an as a click trader, you know, you're looking at the screens, you're processing all this. But if you could only get a computer just to, you know, run some small process, it would alleviate a lot of your daily work. And, and then you start noticing a pattern. You say, you know, every time this thing happens, this there's this movement or, or there's this uh, opportunity. If you could just get a, a, a machine to to tackle that and you just sit back and try to analyze the data and, and look for other opportunities. So I, I definitely felt very constrained with that. And I would um, I would have told myself or, or a colleague just uh, jump into programming. And that would have also helped a lot. But when you're banking, um, you're doing a lot of different things. You're also, you know, you're making, you're, you're a market maker too. You're working with clients. So sometimes you just get so busy that you don't even have time to think what I could have done better, what I could have done. You just, you just did what you did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, programming would have been a, an advice or recommendation for sure. So tell me about the website, why you created it, the name. I'm guessing it's named after the, the French mathematician, but just take us through how that started and ultimately what was the aim or the intention for getting it up and running? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's obviously off after a uh, Poisson or I don't know how you say in French, but, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was after that. And it's also because it's, it's a cheap domain. You know, sometimes you look <laughs> at a, <laughs> you try to find a domain and it's thousands of dollars or whatever. And, and it's just not possible. <laughs> so yeah, not the nicest name, you know, you look that up, you go to the image section in Google and it's just horrendous. So <laughs> <laughs> when I started seeing this discrepancy between descriptive and predictive um, uh, statistics, you know, it, it got me thinking, hey, you know, I, there's definitely an opportunity here to offer something very different than what is out there. Everyone's looking at one thing, you know, I 
I know of people that are, that are wanting to look at a certain thing, but you know, they just don't have time. So this could be a nice project and I could learn about web development. I just, and while I was programming, you know, I was, you know, deep into C, C++, R, um, but I just had absolutely no idea how to run a server, how to run a web page. So, you know, what, what better than to do it with football? So it, it, it's impressive how much, uh, football betting helped me in the degree because everything I was learning in class, I would apply it. And then I would come back to class and I had already done, you know, 10 times more of what was asked in class because of this need to, you know, just, uh, build these models and, and learn programming. So I really wanted to learn about, um, uh, website building. And I just started, uh, just working, you know, piece by piece. I mean, if you went back two years ago when the website started, you know, it was, it was miserable, but <laughs> uh, little by little, you know, you just go learning, putting things together. Um, you know, it's like one big puzzle using, um, APIs, not using APIs, you know, you know, how crazy can you get with a website? And, um, yeah, that, that was my intention. My intention is just to offer something very different than what, that one is out there. Do you think it'll be a little bit of a playground for you, a bit of a developmental hub to try different things and see what works, what doesn't work and what people find interesting, or will it be pretty laser focused on what you're going to offer on there? I'm always trying to build new new type of features. You know, I, I I'm looking at, for example, you know, a graph that tries to weigh in an upset and favorites. You know, so a, a little graph that just tells you if there was an upset or there wasn't. So I do a bit of math behind that. I try to do a bit of a you know combinatorics or anything. I try to put that up in the website. Make sure it doesn't use up all the resources of the server. Um, so it's a it's definitely a balance there. I I do want to focus on the models. You know, I'm always I'm always behind the scenes looking at my model, tweaking it, um, you know, making sure that the parameters are well, that the data is clean, that um, there's, that it's not too buggy, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, and and as long as the model keeps working, you know, the subscribers are happy and, and people come back and tell me, hey, this is awesome. Hey, or, hey, this is not awesome. <laughs> you get a bit <laughs> of both worlds. But um, I always try to talk to them and, and, and tell them, you know, hey, try to find try to find patterns, try to use this as a, as, you know, even if you don't know much about, you know, the, the intricacies of the model, try to use it as a starting ground. What, what, what I think the website does very well is put a price on things. You don't find that much in other descriptive statistics websites. They tell you, Hey, this team's going to score. Sure. But what's the price? You know, if, if, if this team scores 90% of the time and you're getting odds of 1.01, what's the point, you know, the whole point is finding value within that price. That's the whole point of the market. You have to find uh, opportunities. So I try to always put a price on things. And once you have that price, once you have a, a, a number, you can go forward with that. I definitely want to focus on that and focus on also starting to involve the user into these models, you know, take their input, take their view on things. So right now I just added a model where you can put your view on the difference of shots and target. We know that the more you shoot on target, the more likely a goal is going to happen. So I incorporated that into a model and then you put your view in that, you know, the home team is going to score more, uh, shoot more or the away team and computes the models based on that and it returns you odds. So you can just compare that to the bookies. So I think you used the term click trading before. Is that something that you found to be useful purely on the betting side and, you know, playing around with different bookmakers, websites, looking at the different odds and markets and having that background and experience or is sports betting and betting on these types of outcomes and events, something very different and it's taken time to learn and understand how it works and go from there. Um, yeah. So click trading and, uh, 
at least in the banking, you have so many data feeds uh, coming in with all different types of information. You have the, the Bloomberg platforms. So you can always go in there, hook up your own, you know, uh, your own software, the own banking software, get that data, transform it, model it, mold it, whatever you want. With the betting websites, um, you know, the, the big ones, it's hard to do that because they're always looking, you know, they ban you immediately for that. Or uh, So it's execution is mostly done by click. Um, as far as uh, automation, uh, I really don't, um, the, the tech, well, the strategy I use or, 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 or my style is, is not so much, you know, um, trading, you know, if this goes up a little bit, you know, get out of my position. No, I just put a pre-match bet and that's it. I fire and forget. Um, I, I try not to stress myself out in play, um, and yeah, and, and it's nice, you know, putting a, a bet in and watching the game, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. At the end of the day, when you're trading FX uh, uh, products, you know, you're trading currencies and, and just boring stuff here, you're, you're trading a football game. So, so at the end of the day, you get to watch a, a, a football match and it's more exciting, but I try not to, not to lose time with, with, with what I, with what the model gives me. The model gives me something, I plug it in and I forget it. I don't cash out. I don't, I don't, I don't try not to follow up too, too much with it. I just uh, let it happen, you know, because again, when you go back into back testing, you know, how are you, how are you going to grab the odds of the in-play, put that into your back test and determine if the cash out is profitable or not. So when you're back testing, you have to act the same way you do with your back test. And there's only a limited amount of information you can get. So when you're betting, do you look at the prices and try and decide if it's worth waiting or if it's worth firing or if it hits your number, that's that's the time to bet? Or tell us a little bit on the betting side if you do spend any time monitoring and, and doing those types of things. Yeah, definitely. I, I have, I have, um, I'm always monitoring the price, trying to quantify things, um, looking at the odds from different uh, bookmakers. So that, that's very important. Um and yeah, sometimes you just uh, you start seeing a bit of movement and you, and you wait for it. Obviously, you know, it's there's syndicates out there. there there's big uh, companies that do this and they move lines, they move prices. Who knows how? But, um, you know, you can obviously, you know, mine this data and then look at it and, and try to determine if it's going to go up, it's going to go down. Um, and you can use several tools. For example, I what I do is you can grab um, news from different outlets, Italian, German news, French news. You know, I don't speak those languages, but Google Translate does a, does an excellent job translating it. Um, you have APIs, you have different translating um, software. You know, you grab that data and you can just feed it into a program that uh, does text sentiment. So it tells you if, if this sentence is, is positive, if this sentence is negative. You filter out, you know, some of the garbage in those news articles and and you can get you know it's not looking good for this team because uh, the manager is thinking of leaving and um and and the club is facing financial trouble so boom right there red alert um maybe that's why the odds are going up or maybe that's why the odds are going down so so yeah i try to just uh feed myself with with different information and um and yeah make make sure um by keeping it simple, I also don't look at the big, a lot of noise that's going out with a match. So if there's a very extraordinary event, I try to avoid those matches. If there's a lot of financial trouble, if there's, if there's extremely bad weather or if there's just or a, a lot of, you know, extreme amount of injuries, I try to stay away from that. I forget about it. Even if the price looks amazing, I stay away from that because that's when 
games become truly randoms and you get massive upsets or you just you see the Twitter feeds just everyone going you know terrible day today. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier you look at low level leagues. Can you talk us through your approach to how you factor in the market information, whether it is you know, obviously the betting prices and things like that? Do you do it far less or not at all for those lower leagues because you think you might have a better handle or do you do it um, a lot more in, in higher leagues, for example? Just take us through your approach when it comes to that. Um, yeah, so l- lower leagues, you know, there's less um, less bookies, you know, trying to jump on them. Obviously, I don't go too, too low. You know, you can go up to fifth division, but then again, you know, it's maybe going to be one bookie offering that. So somewhere in the middle, somewhere where there's still a lot of markets open, Asian handicaps, I think, are very useful. Yeah, so you know, you get opening lines. Sometimes those 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 the opening odds are very wild, very different between each bookie. And you start, well, at least in, in, in my opinion, I start thinking, hey, maybe there's not some uh, consensus of, of what's going on here. You know, what does my model say? I look at different you know factors, and I say, you know, this match looks very stable. The news articles are not saying anything extreme. It, it's not a insane derby. Everything looks very aligned. I just don't understand why this odd is so high. I, you know, it's a, it's also a timing game. You know, if you wait too long, the odds might move uh, against you, or the odds might move in favor of you. You never know. So, you know, obviously a bit of experience, look into it, and if everything lines up, you know, you jump into it, and um, yeah, and fire and forget. <laughs> 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 what do you think was the steepest learning curve for you? Was it the betting side of things? Was it even the analysis and the data, even though you had pretty good background and uh, resume in that space? Was there one that stands out where you had to spend more time on? Getting attracted into into uh, markets that have very high odds. So obviously when you start out, you start looking at the you know over, over zero goals market. You think, hey, you know, I... I'm seeing something here, you know, every time this team does this and and, and, and it's 0-0, they have to score a game. It's natural. It's football. It's, it's, it's a sport. Everyone wants to score games. But then you start realizing that, you know, sometimes just uh, there can be a million shots in target and just no goals. And, and the odds just look so attractive at minute 70. And then, you know, odds of whatever, they offer you odds of three for at least one goal to go in. You say, how, how can a goal not go in? <laughs> So you actually look at the historic or you look at your model and the model is telling you don't touch that, that, that market. The odds should be five and they're offering you three or, or the odds should be 10. And so, you know, you, you have to look back. You have to be cold. You have to work with what, with, what the, with what your back testing is telling you, with what the model is telling you. And just try to avoid those, you know, those juicy markets. And um, in my in my opinion, or you know, I, I did that at the beginning, and, and I try to avoid that. And you know, get, getting a grip of things. Sometimes um, you see a match, you're just watching on TV. You just want to, you know, bring out the app and just, you know, put some money into it. But you know, that all that all all counts at the end. You know, are you going to factor that that um, random bet? You know, that instinct bet into your um, into your model profitability. So. What I do is I try to model, modularize everything. You know, everything has their own module and everything has their own price and cost. You know, what is it costing me to have this model to run it? What are my costs and what are my profits? The website, you know, what are the costs and profits? I don't bring money from one area to another. Um, you know, my day job, you know, what what do I make? How much am I spending? Hey, I can just, um, if my profit, if my model wasn't profitable, I'll just use some money from my day job to, you know, uh, put my bankroll up again. You know that's that's not fair. That's not looking at the at the long term. 
and 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 you're not being fair to yourself and that's something that um you also learn in banking you know you you have risk management telling you every day you know this is your position this is how much you've lost this is how much you've made yeah i think those um that was like a bit of a learning curve i guess how do you operate as a one-man team versus you know previously in the trading environment with double triple checks managers manager managers above managers and so on do you think it's conducive for you to be in a one-person team to be able to operate how you want to or do you miss some of that process-driven checking and other things that come with a team environment yeah i mean definitely the um as a, again by keeping by keeping it simple it doesn't um you, you avoid um all those sometimes um you know double and triple checks you know what i'm doing is it's not also you know far extreme operation whereas in banking you have a lot going on. So you need those double checks, you know, those triple checks, you need feedback, you know, embedding. I just, uh, try to, you know, watch the matches, the, the leagues that I follow as much as I can. Sometimes it's hard cause they just don't stream it, uh, or, or, or show it, you know, cause it's a third division game. So it's, it's hard to, to, to get that, uh, that feed, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never really worked with, with, I've also been involved in this very little time, you know, less than four years. So, I've only recently gotten into the whole thing of Twitter and, and, and talking to people online. But even that feels sometimes, uh, I don't know. So some people are just very fast on, on, on picking up friends in Twitter and talking and, and, and building a business. And yeah, from the side of my friends, no one has absolute any interest in this. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I, I try to keep it sane with the models, try to keep it simple and, and have, you know, your rules and, and just stop it. But yeah, I guess I guess you do miss it if you had a big team like that, you know, that could be fun, I guess. But then who knows? Maybe that's more noise added to it. <laughs> so following on that on that last point you made, do you think it's useful to have friends outside of this world where you can go and talk about food or literature or travel or whatever else as opposed to being 100% of the time focused on betting, either working-wise or going with friends to watch games and it's always centered around sports and betting and gambling and those things or do you think there's value in having other things that you can focus on definitely no um i have a very uh i guess i get very obsessed with things very quickly so if it's programming if it's surfing if it's boxing if it's betting i just um i just want to try to be the best at that so sometimes you do you do get stuck in this strut you know in this um in uh in, in your modeling and your in your programming and there's other perspectives that you can gain from other people telling you hey look at this look at that twitter you know i've had some conversations in twitters and definitely some eye-opening things but yeah i mean of course there's value in in, in going out with uh with friends and, and, and looking at other aspects of uh you know food and talking of something other than than, than betting but in my opinion you also have to be very uh, disciplined you also have to try to you know get get into as much as you can into into this if you want to make money into it so yeah i guess it depends on er everyone's personality you know some some people just um work very easy with other people some people have a hard time working with other people i want to ask more general questions for a few minutes before we close out especially around the betting industry and i'm guessing you probably talk to people they ask you about what's the betting industry like how are things going it's just generally do you think things are in a good place do you think there's uh, very much plenty of room for improvement or what are your thoughts at this point yeah um well the betting industry i think um 
the new tools that you start seeing, machine learning, you know, artificial intelligence. So different crossovers from different areas, I think, is, is, is important. For example, right now I'm studying, trying to uh, jump back into what I studied in math, you know, geometry, topology, which is uh, very abstract, very different from anything to betting. But some of the ideas you read on these um, on these books, you know, you can bring it back to 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 betting, you know, and um, yeah, with, uh, as far as the industry goes, I think it's just ever evolving. There's there's more tools, there's more programming. It's it's always faster. It's always the lines are always a lot more sharper. You're starting to see a bit of a disruption with you know the the, the Bitcoin exchanges and 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 peer-to-peer um, exchanges like 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 the one that Betfair has, and I think it's just going to gravitate towards towards uh, that direction. Sort of like the FX markets, you know, you have all these platforms; they're always offering less margins. Um, so I think it's going in a in a in a, in a positive uh, direction. It's going to be more available to more people, I think. There's going to be more legislation. It's going to stop being, I guess, in this dark area, which everyone feels a bit uncomfortable about it. And yeah, who knows? Maybe just follow the the, the road of financial markets, I guess. Yeah. Well, and one other thing I noticed more recently, I don't know if you know about this, but the NFL does a thing called the Big Data Bowl, where they release some player tracking data for uh, amateurs, I think, to just you know take a look at it. I believe it's a Kaggle competition or they release it through um you know a couple of methods so that people can play around with the data and and build something and then they have a you know a scoreboard and it's a competition and i believe the winners in the most recent one were two european guys i think they live in austria who work in insurance and they were talking about it on on a different podcast about how they went about that competition and you can imagine you know there's plenty of people in the u.s looking at it there's plenty of people with you know excellent domain expertise and knowledge about the nfl and it was funny these two guys were talking about how they knew nothing about the NFL. The first thing they did was try and read some information about the rules and how it works. And um, the problem they were trying to solve, they said they were looking at something they'd done previously. And I think it was biology or some other science field. And they took one of the principles from that and applied it to, to this competition. They ended up winning. So I think, you know, if not, and obviously it's not a betting market. We're not talking about, you know, winning money long-term at betting, but just, you know, so when it comes to sports, I think there's, plenty of experts in other areas in other fields that uh, may enter the space and make it far more difficult for those that aren't doing those types of things with those types of tools so do you think that's something that you know moving forward with all the the tools that you've talked about all the things that you've done in your past and then jumping into betting there are many people out there that would have a very strong uh, resume and then maybe can build up their own acumen to to be more involved in this space Definitely. I mean, when, when there's money on the line, um, you have people from from everywhere just uh, flooding in. And these crossovers between different areas of, of science, for example, biology or um, or physics uh, and that come into um, to solve problems in mathematics or statistics. It happens all the time. Um, Brownian motion, you know, a concept used uh, to model stock uh, prices, you know, that, that comes from physics, from thermodynamics, how how particles move around in a random fashion. So, you know, it just takes a couple of guys to to realize that movement can be applied into finance. And then you have the whole explosion of market options and and the Black-Scholes, uh, you know, differential equation. And it just opened, you know, a whole new level of, of hedge funds. It, it happens all the time. And um, and I think a lot and I think it's important to look into those different areas more than to learn the, the you know, the technicalities of it. 
you you learn the concepts and how you can adapt them to your football betting. Try to see things in a different light. You'll see what you are what what you just talked about. You know some some people that have absolutely nothing to do with NFL, but they have this crossover into football um, betting or uh, NFL. The data looks similar. They apply their their algorithms, and next thing you know, you know they they win this competition. So it happens all the time, and 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 it's exciting. It's different. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> So one final question for you. You mentioned you read a lot of literature or you looked at uh, academic articles or went through journals and things like that. Were you reading you know, the hot hand fallacy and some specific sports-related uh, analytics things or were you going more broadly? And, and within that, does anything stand out that you would suggest or have suggested to others that's worthwhile spending the time to read through? The modeling of uh, how it, um, you know, a lot of what my models are based on is just uh, the, the, the mayor uh, papers, he started modeling using, um, you know, regression techniques, using the Poisson um, distribution, followed up by Dixon Coles, who makes a, a little correction. And then after that, you know, there's tons of papers and each one of them has, even though some of them get very technical, they always have a, a summary or a review or a conclusion where they explain their findings and, and their thoughts. And even by just reading that, you can get a lot of insight into how they were thinking into, you know, small little ideas that you can apply and yeah, and, and all that's available on the internet. And there's always new papers coming out. Just recently, I added this Twitter handle that uh, posts on new statistic papers that get published in Arvix, which is um, it's this uh, repository for mathematical statistics, physics, physics papers. And you know, it never hurts to just click on them, read over it, skip over all the mathematical jargon. You know, sometimes that just goes right over my head. But then you read the conclusions and, and you can say, hey, I, I can adapt that to my betting. So, so yeah, definitely. Um, the, the other fallacies and the gambling fallacies, you know, those are also very interesting. It's, it's very fun to work them out in, 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 in math and in probability. Uh, you know, when, when you write them out and, and prove why they're fallacies or why this does not work, for example, a martingale or a, or a gambler's ruin, you also learn about, a lot about probability and, and it might interest some people to jump into math. So yeah, I've, I've definitely read all, all of those and it's it's crazy. It's a world out there. I think humans have a hard time with probability, with statistics. It's just counterintuitive, you know. So yeah, definitely read those and, and remember those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One final point. Can you just mention your Twitter handle, the website? And, and also I'm curious, your subscribers or those that value what you do, tell me what it is about or what you think it is about the website so that those listening who might feel the same way can can take a look. Sure. Um, so my Twitter handle is uh, poison underscore foot. Um, I didn't manage to grab the, the whole poison foot handle, but yeah, poison underscore foot. Uh, you can find me there. I'm always open to DMs. Um, the website is poisonfoot.com. And basically, I try to make a website similar to a website that would look to the FX markets. Um, you know, no clutter. You know, you go into the website, the list of matches is there. You click the information's right there. Um, I try to balance uh, between the, the public and the subscriber information to hopefully uh, uh, appease everybody. You know, some people are not looking for models. They just want descriptive statistics. I'll give you those, but I'll give it to you in a, in a nicer chart, nicer bar graph. Um, and yeah, just a blog section where I try to write about math issues. And um, yeah, so anyone looking for, 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 for some, you know, a site that has a model and that quantifies and gives you a price, you know, um, you can just feel free to visit the website and, and see if you like it. And if you have any questions, DM me 
and I would have no problem explaining to you the different aspects of the site. Amazing. John, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. No, thank you, Jake. Thank you. Uh, it's a privilege being here.